welcome back to another episode of How to Be a Baller. If you're a returning customer, thank you for supporting and pushing this forward. If it's the first time you're looking at this, where have you been? And welcome to one of the best podcasts in the world. We have engaging conversations with ballers about their inspirational journeys to the top. And this week we have a very, very, very special guest. This is one of the best footballers in the world, the Matilda captain, absolute phenomenon of the sport. She's gone from strength to strength and she's a real inspiration in terms of someone who has gone to chase their dreams at all costs, someone that has bounced back from adversity and someone who's actually within her role in the game, really changing what it means to be a footballer, getting involved in so many different things. And of course, she's a style icon as well. We have none other than Chelsea legendary forward, Sam Kerr. But to discuss why Sam Kerr is an amazing person to speak to, I have my colleague Amy with me. Amy, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. It's, um, thinking about Sam, it's so interesting because, as I've mentioned, this is just someone who, as a forward, has done so much, broken so many records, but on and off the pitch, she's just an enigma of what a football is now, right? Yeah, she's an absolutely unbelievable player. She's currently the W League and NWSL all-time top goal scorer. So those are the women's leagues in Australia and the US. You know, she came to the UK just over a year ago and really kind of like spearheaded that movement of these incredible ballers coming to the WSL. I mean, just thinking about all of the accolades that she's got, she got her first senior call-up when she was 15. Like, I was struggling to tie my shoelaces at 15, like, let alone, you know, playing for your country. She played in three World Cups and she's only 27. Like, the skill is absolutely unbelievable. But you're right, what she does off the pitch is just as important. In particular, when she talks about her heritage, her Indian heritage, you know, coming from a migrant family, what that means to her. She's just never ashamed to be who she is. She's always so unapologetically open. And that makes her just as much a baller as anything else, to be honest. Honestly, you've, you've taken the words out of my mouth. And even within this discussion, there was a thread about speaking of how footballers are human beings. And she touches on some quite really personal, but things that a lot of ballers probably think, but don't say about how it's essentially the only job where you don't get an off day. You can't just have an off day. And for me, it's an interesting thread to see someone of that stature as well, just be so open and real with, how it is to be a footballer and how she did have struggles moving here, but how she has thrived. And hopefully any young ballers out there or people that just want to achieve in life can kind of look at the threads from her career and say, you know what, that's something I can apply to myself. Definitely. And the type of person that you need to be in order to be that type of footballer and that type of player, you know, she started in the UK and didn't have the start everybody wanted to see from Sam Kerr. Like she wasn't scoring worldies from the get go. But, you know, it's a slow burner. And she was so open and so honest about that. She said, look, you know, it's a complete culture change for me. It's freezing cold, like I'm struggling with the cold, but little things like that as well. And, you know, I think just having the confidence in herself and knowing that it will come, knowing that, you know, you develop those players on on and off the pitch, those relationships on and off the pitch. And she's currently second in the goal scoring table for the WSL. She scored 11 so far this season. So, you know, she knows what she's doing. It's clearly working. 
Yeah, and I've always been interested about um, athletes in high-performance situations because if you look at that Chelsea team, it's a team that is always trying to do the best, be the best. Emma's always setting new targets of what we need to achieve and it's quite interesting to see how she's come in and she epitomises that go-getter attitude, not just for Chelsea, but for the national team as well. I mean, they've won the only Asian Cup Australia's always got. So it's um, credit to her personality, her drive, and I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, this is How to Be a Baller with Sam Kerr. It's so great to have you because your story is quite unique. Like I mentioned just now, you're one of the, the biggest players in the world, but football and your journey is quite interesting, right? Because you didn't start playing football early. How did you get into football? Yeah, I was... I guess a late bloomer. I started playing when I was 12. I played Aussie rules in Australia. Um, and I grew up as a kid, always playing Aussie rules. My family's Aussie rules through and through. And I played with the boys and it just honestly got too rough. It got too physical. And my mum my and dad pulled me out of the sport because I was just coming home with blood lips, blood of black eyes, all those types of things. So just by chance, honestly, my cousin was playing at a local team and he was like, why don't you come down? And yeah, that was the closest thing to Aussie rules at the time. So I just went down and yeah, fell in love with it, I guess. And then as you made that transition and you saw the game, who were some of your early influences? Because like you mentioned, a lot of your family were involved in sport, but when you then moved over to football, who were some of your influences growing up? Yeah, I think still, even though my brother was involved in Aussie rules, he was definitely probably my biggest influence. He was a professional athlete at the time. Seeing what he did to be at the top of his game, everything he sacrificed, it just kind of, I looked up to him when I was a kid and I just really wanted to be a professional athlete. Um, and he was always the one that was tough on me for training, telling me I can be better, telling me I can do this, do that. Um, and still to this day, he's really like, he, he literally thinks I'm, he sees me in such a way that's obviously as a big brother, it's really nice, but um, yeah, it, it's still to this day, he watches every game and has a really big, not an influence now, but at that young age, he definitely did. It's quite funny when you mention sort of having that big brother there and really taking an interest and in someone that's path you'd seen, but your path is just crazy. So it's point of perspective. I remember being maybe 16 and playing a district match and thinking, you know what, this was the biggest moment in my life. You were making professional debuts and playing at the national team at that age. How did it feel like in that moment, achieving so many major things, especially so soon after you started the game? Yeah, it was kind of, honestly, it was like a, a surreal moment. I didn't understand the magnitude of what I was doing. So I felt like I really went into the game um, with a, a cool perspective, I guess. I wasn't really overtaken by what I was about to do. Um, I felt no nerves. And I feel like only a few years down the track did I realise like, wow, this is amazing what I've been able to achieve in such a, a short time. So I think being young and being a kid, um, it kind of made it easier than maybe if I had made my debut a little bit later on and I would have felt pressure and things like that. But at 15, I was just a kid. I was just you know what it's like when you're 15 I, did, I didn't really understand what was going on around me I just was doing it for the love of it and I think that made it more enjoyable for me 
Would you say to a certain extent, having those experiences so young gun almost prepare you for the sort of career you're having at the moment where you've traveled the world, competed at the highest level, and you've always just kind of given it your all and been able to throw yourself into those sort of situations? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And I think whenever, you know, things are going not as I'd like them or things are tough. I always kind of remember my first few years as a footballer. And the reason I was doing it is because I loved the game and um, I enjoyed competing. So I always try and remind myself of that moment when, you know, you do have down days and down months and years, to be honest, as a footballer. But at the end of the day, we all play football because we love it and it's our passion. So it's, I guess, set me up to have a good mindset towards competing and success and failure. Speaking of those moments in particular you just mentioned, of course, there are hard moments within the game. And quite early on, you did have that massive injury. In that time, how important were the people around you and, and how was you feeling about just everything in general? Because it came at such a crucial time for you as well. Yeah, it was really tough at the time. Obviously, you never want to be taken away from the game. But I think now I look back on it and I think it was the biggest blessing in probably my career like blessing in disguise I guess like I didn't realize how much I loved the game I didn't realize how much I wanted to be you know a top top footballer and when you have the game taken away from you it kind of makes you realize it's kind of the classic case of you don't know what you've got until it's gone um, and that for me made me realize like okay I'm going to put my like heart and soul into this when I was 15 16 I just was going off to talent um, and then yeah like I just had a massive wake up call and luckily I have great family, friends, teammates, coaches, people that wanted to help me get back to where I was. So I feel really lucky that I have a good support system and that I was able to come back because yeah, once it was taken away from me, I realized like how much I loved the sport. Uh, for real. Another massive part of football, ultimately with trying to achieve things, especially when you love the game, is sacrifices. And I guess for you, there must have been a massive one in order to make the decision to leave home and go thousands and thousands of miles away to go and compete, which was, and it was the inaugural season you went, right? So it was a high pressure time as well. What did you learn in that first stint when you went out there? And what, how, what does it take to kind of make those sacrifices to follow your dream? Yeah, well, it opened my eyes up to how big women's football was I had no idea that there was this whole different world out there and the US was like at that time it was like you know the biggest place for women's football so it just opened my eyes and kind of gave me like a little bit of a shock to there's people out there that are that are way better than than me and there's people out there that are way better than our national team so it was just a little bit of a shock to kind of it was like a wake-up call like okay you got to do more work to be at the top of your game um but sacrifices are tough. Like I moved away from my family when I was like 18. I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know all those things. So <laughs> there was a lot of things that just kind of were dumped on my shoulders. Um, you know, one day I was living at my parents' house, getting <laughs> drove to training. And then the next day I was in an apartment by myself cooking and doing my own washing. So it, there's a lot of things that go into moving away and making sacrifices, but you learn as you go. And I think ultimately they made me a better and stronger person. And how about almost from the playing side? Because like you mentioned, when you got there, you almost saw like a different level. And at the time, the US game was the standard bearer across the world. So you being this, you know, this young prospect that had the bundles of talent makes the big move. You go out there. How did you feel when you saw everyone else and, and you realised, 
wow, it, this is massive. Yeah, I, I, I was nervous. <laughs> um, I think I was playing on the team at the time with Abby Wombach, who'd just been named World Player of the Year. And I'd just seen like, you know, a massive gap between me and her. I know she was at the end of her career and I was at the start, but it was kind of really nice for me to see where she was and where I could get to. Um, and yeah, it was just a massive shock. I felt like, oh, I felt, you know, 16 confident, 17 confident, 18 confident. And then I got there and I was like, okay, I got a lot of work to do. So it was kind of, for me, a little bit of a shock, but I seen it as excitement, like it was a challenge. I, I knew deep down I had confidence in myself to compete, but I knew that there was going to be, there was going to be more needed, not just relying on my talent. And then when you did return home, like another major incident happened again with another injury. And of course, with injuries, they do, I guess, test your character because it's not only about returning to the field and being a player, but it's all that mentality about how to overcome this injury. Having had a major injury before this first one, how did this second one feel any different or was it the same? Um, I think once I got injured, the disappointment and the heartbreak from getting injured was much worse. I knew what was coming. So that was harder to deal with. But at the same time, I knew that if I, I felt like from my first injury, I came back better. So that was my motivation is that this injury will only, it sounds really cliche, but like it would make me come back bigger and better um, and that was my motivation every day waking up getting in the gym swimming all those types of things that you have to do that footballers hate they just want to be on the pitch so it was different in the sense that I had a stronger motivate stronger motivation but bigger like heartbreak and disappointment from being taken away from the game and then it's so interesting to look at how your career kind of passed from from that because usually in football some people's positions change over time or they adapt themselves but what you did you kind of went from forward to becoming this really potent striker but when you make that sort of change what goes into it especially from a player's perspective because I guess nowadays we see a lot of people play different positions and think nothing of it but to almost change your game completely almost what went into that for you and how did that happen? Yeah, so it was a discussion with one of my national team coaches. It was honestly just a way to find to uh, finding a way to get me more involved in the in the play. Um, out in the wing, you can be quite isolated. Teams can shut you off easily, and um, it was honestly just about getting myself on the ball more and into places that into positions that I preferred to be in. So rather than be on the wing, be down the middle of the goal. Um, and I found it tough, honestly, like I was used to having the line to work with and 1v1, whereas now I was having to drop in between lines, runs in behind. It was, it was difficult, but it was a challenge. I loved it. And um, as I started playing there, the amount of ball I got compared to out on the wing was just like everything I wanted. I just wanted to be more involved. And uh, like after about a year of playing there, I think the goals started coming and I've never really looked back. No, completely. And did they come? Like they, they just all came in but it's it's so funny because it's a perfect segue into talking about so many great things you have achieved in your career I mean captain of the national team most expensive player for Chelsea Ballon d'Or nominee won the Asian Cup and that's the first time Australia have done it record setter in multiple places you were very pivotal in the battle to get equal pay as well but 
if I asked you what success meant to you, what would your answer be? Oh, that's, yeah, that's a difficult one. I think success to me is just, I, I'm a goal setter. I set out goals and I have little goals and I have big goals. Um, and I think for me, um, success is, is breaking down those goals and, and going further and breaking down a barrier and going a little bit further. And people always say like, oh, when you reach a goal, like how good does it feel? And I'm like, yeah, but it makes me want more. It, those goals there for me are for me to kind of hit and then keep going. Um, so I think success is, I don't know, it's a tough one, but I think it's just, um, uh, it's never ending. Success, you never, I, as a footballer, I'll never be, be like, oh, I, I did everything, I've succeeded, I've done everything. It will always be a, a game for me. There's always more success and there's always more you can do. That's a really interesting one because I guess a lot of the time when you set goals, especially as a footballer, it comes in different ways in terms of maybe how many goals you want to score, what accolades you want to collect. And sometimes those goals are almost put upon you as well from sort of your coach saying what you want or national team saying how much you want to achieve. So it's quite interesting. Your focus is, I want to smash that goal and get to the next one. Yeah. Of course, we have really high moments in life, but we do have moments where are a bit low, but maybe build character. What would you say has been the most difficult part of your career so far aside from those injuries maybe yeah I think I think the hardest part about being a footballer is I think for me anyway is I found it really hard moving around the world I think it's been really difficult especially coming to a place like London um, especially in the times right now it's been really difficult new apartment all those things and living up to the pressures that you put on yourself. I know people talk about outside pressure and outside noise, but as footballers, we put the most pressure on ourselves. So I think the hardest part for me about being a footballer is blocking out things that you have going on in your outside life and forgetting them for that 90 minutes while you're on the field. And people forget that at the end of the day, we're all just human and we all have things going on in our lives, whether it's family moving into a new apartment all those things so I find that really difficult in the sense that we actually have other things going on in our life and I've found moving here with the COVID stress all that type of things it is difficult to switch off and be locked in for 90 minutes so I think that for me is the hardest part is putting away outside noise outside stress and I don't mean outside noises in people talking about you in the media I mean you know what you have going on in your life and it's difficult to sometimes go on the field and perform um but that's that's what we're paid to do so that's probably the most difficult part for me for me it's totally understandable and it's it's a conversation I've had before and I've heard other footballers for instance say um for them the 90 minutes is almost escapism away from everything but at the same time when you're trying to escape what you're escaping from can affect you and I guess in every other job in the world you can have an off day at work because you know you're not feeling too great not feeling too well whereas football maybe because of all of the pressure if you have like a you know a subpar performance it's kind of like the whole world is caving in when it's kind of like you know what this person is just a, a human being so it is it is interesting to hear that from again one of the best players in the world that you know sometimes these things can happen but hopefully people can start acclimatizing themselves to that sort of thinking that you know what footballers are human beings as well they have feelings yeah. they, they go through things just like the rest of us yeah we always say there's no like long service leave or 
sick days, you know, if you're sick, if you have something happen in your family, it's like you just got to close off. It's you got to go to work. So that's a really unique thing about being a professional athlete, to be honest. When looking at, you mentioned hair now in, in the league, the women's game is growing at a really, really strong rate here. The infrastructure and sponsorship as well is in a much better place than it was prehistorically. But what else do you think the game needs? Yeah, I think it's a really tough question. I think, you know, things have to evolve and things just have to take small steps to become something great. And I think the league here really is taking all the right steps. There's, like you said, sponsorship, the infrastructure, um, the facilities that we have, like all the things that we have, I think um, is amazing. But I know that it's not, um, not level, but it's not across, it's not like all the way across the league. So I think um, having, I guess, minimum standards for each team to make the league more um, even, I think is really important in this league because you don't want to go out on a weekend and win the game eight nil because, you know, we're, we're training full time in a beautiful facility and then another team's training in and, and, you know, not all the time. So I think getting the league more even, and I think this year there's been more teams like Everton jump up, Man United's doing so well. So I think, the more even the league is um, and the more investment from lower league teams that we have, the better the league will be. And that ultimately drips into all things like sponsorship, people watching, all those types of things. So I think, yeah, I don't know how to say it, but I guess a more investment from the lower league teams to make the league more even and more competitive. And with the example you said, I guess, maybe seeing major teams do things like what Manchester United have done in terms of their investment in the team will probably drive more teams to do the same thing. And it is a really exciting time as a whole because there's so much happening. But for you on the international front, it's probably even more exciting because, I mean, the Olympics, touch which they actually happen eventually, yeah. that's going to be massive. <laughs> of course, as well, um, the World Cup as well, co-hosting that. How excited are you for those two big moments? Yeah, I mean... The Olympics is an unbelievable experience outside of football. It's just like to be an Olympian is something that not many people get the opportunity to do. Um, so that's a huge honour. But the World Cup for us is obviously the most important. And to be able to host a World Cup on home soil, um, yeah, I, I can't believe that I'm going to have the opportunity to play for my country, hopefully, um, on home soil. It's going to be an amazing experience. I think it's going to be an unbelievable boost for the game um, and I have to pinch myself knowing that there's going to be a World Cup game 15 minutes from my house in Perth. So it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Would you, when that comes to be, would you say that's probably, if not up there, the moment being able to maybe walk out 50 minutes away from where you grew up? Yeah, I mean, that would be a dream come true. Perth's just a little stadium, so I'm not sure the Matildas will get uh, <laughs> a place there. Well, I, I hope so, but it, I think it holds like 23,000 or something. So I'm hoping that we play in Sydney or Melbourne in front of 50,000 people, and I think that will be an amazing experience. Whenever we play at home in front of 20,000, it's unbelievable. Um, so to do it at a World Cup in a major tournament, oh, that would be a dream. We've spoken about so many different aspects of your career, but knowing everything you know now, if you could go back and give one piece of advice to a younger Sam, what would you say and why? 
Um, I think I'd have two pieces of advice. On oh, hit me with two. I like that. Football-wise, <laughs> it would be take care of your body. Um, honestly, when you're 15, 16, growing up, everyone goes through it. You think you're invincible. No one's opinion matters. Um, and then before you know it, you're 27 and wishing you did all those recovery steps and all those types of things that everyone nagged you about when you're a kid. Um, I think it's, I always say to people, like, it's not just like getting in the ice bath after a game. It's what you eat. It's how you, what you do after a game, all those types of things that I honestly believe add up. Um, and then the other, the other one would be to enjoy it. Like I remember going through years of my career where I was not enjoying the moment and maybe I wasn't starting, but like, I think it's just more being grateful for like what we get to experience. Like we take this for granted, what we get to do. And like every day when I drive into Cobham, I honestly pinch myself. I'm like, dang, I'm driving into Chelsea football clubs ground. And like, I have to remind myself, like people would die to do this, you know? So I think when I was younger, I didn't appreciate and didn't, I, I didn't not enjoy it, but I didn't, I let things get the better of me. And at the end of the day, football is just a game. I'm so lucky to do what I do. Um, and yeah, I'm 27 now. And when I was 20, I thought 27, I'll never be playing football at that age. Like it's, it's going to be done. So I think, yeah, just be grateful and enjoy the moment because it goes so quick. Sam, honestly, thank you so much for that advice and your time. Really appreciate it. All the best with the rest of the season as well. I've been Maya Quadri, and that's been another episode of How to Be a Baller. See you soon. Thanks.